Macarion to Stokes, who's onside. One now. Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Saints FC podcast and a very, very special episode. Um, One of our uh, listeners and budding future podcaster, Ben Miller, has come up with a fantastic idea um, for asking celebrity football fans for their best ever uh, 11 for the team that they support. Now, Ben is a a Saints fan as well as being a a listener of of our show, and he has managed to find another celebrity Saints fan to speak to and choose their their favourite starting 11 for Saints. So first up, in this episode, we have Ben speaking to Ed Chamberlain uh, from Sky Sports, and uh, you'll probably recognise him and uh, get to hear throughout the episode that he's a really big Saints fan as well. Um, of course, this is a, a kind of concept podcast for Ben at this point, so please, please do get in contact with us and let us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, the usual email address, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you think of the episode. Let us know if you want to hear more uh, Celebrity Saints fans choosing their 11 and of course let us know who would make it into your Saints 11 as well and that could be a a fantastic talking point for um, myself and Tom and maybe we'll get Ben onto one of the shows as well and talk about his uh, favourite players as well uh, at some point in the future. Uh, So at this point I'm going to hand over to Ben and I do hope you really enjoy this fantastic episode that he's recorded for us. Hello and welcome to Ultimate 11, a brand new show that gets famous football fans to pick their all-time favourite 11 for the team that they support. Uh, This is the first episode and I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Sky Sports News presenter and ITV racing presenter uh, and most importantly Southampton fan Ed Chamberlain. Ed, welcome to the show. Ben, thank you very much for having me on. Very flattered to be invited. Yeah, I mean in at the ground floor, first ever guest. So yeah, we're delighted to have you and thanks for being here. What an honour. Wow. Hopefully we'll do it justice. How are you? How's lockdown been for you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm very feeling very fortunate to be working. Um, racing got up and running in June, even before the football. So I've been out and about, and you know, it's been pretty miserable. If I'm honest, you know, I'm working at empty racecourses, and it's a bit desolate. But at the same time, you feel very fortunate to be working at such a difficult time. And sport has got a big role to play in boosting the health of the nation really you know football is is a big part of everyone's lives at the moment lifting spirits and the sport I'm involved in is is much smaller than football but very very important for livelihoods and just giving everyone that little bit of an escape and a, and a boost hopefully at, at such a difficult time yeah and it's such a weird time at the moment with fans not being able to get to games so hopefully shows like this will give them something to enjoy whilst we wait for the grounds to reopen yeah, absolutely. Well said. You know, we all need little things like this. Um, 
because you know it's so sad, isn't it? Watching the football. Yeah. I think I'm lucky in racing. If you're watching on the TV, you don't really notice the difference with, with the big horse races, be they the Derby, Royal Ascot. The races look exactly the same. With football, it's much more evident. Um, we don't have to to pump through fake crowd noise because you don't really need it. And football is very, very different to watch. I'm one of the few people I think that watches without the crowd noise, um, which I find fascinating. Actually, I like to hear what the managers are saying and what Ralph is shouting and and so on and so forth. But um, at ITV, they actually use the crowd noise. I think seventy. I think the 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 research is that I think about seventy five percent of viewers prefer the pumped in crowd noise. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. I've yeah. I've tried both yeah. and. I, it, preference I, I feel like i feel like having the crowd noise on is better when it's a game you're not p- paying particular interest to it's just sort of on in the background it's good to have the crowd noise but i agree with you it's really really interesting being able to hear the players and the staff and all the people on the touchline uh because there's no crowd noise and the camera uh, the microphones are picking it up having said that i, I yeah when when theo shot on goal and vestigard Headed at home, you did want to hear a massive roar, I suppose, didn't you? Yes, so yeah, that was, was, yeah. yeah, that was a real shame <laughs> to not hear the, the Saints away fans. Um, exactly. Just, did you get to watch the game? Because you, you were at Ascot on Saturday, weren't you? I was at Ascot, it was Champions Day. So I we came off air at 4.30 and I was having a debrief in the car park, resigned to the fact we were going to lose 3-2. And my director on ITV Racing, a guy called Paul McNamara, who's a, who's a BAFTA-winning director on ITV, he's directed World Cup finals in football and rugby and all sorts, and, and directs the racing now, which is great, but he's a mad saint. And his, his Twitter handle, I think, is Saint Macca, which says it all. <laughs> he screamed at me across the car park. <laughs> We've equalised. So the, uh, the production meeting after this massive day at Ascot on Saturday was broken up as I raced to his car to give him a massive high five. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I went. I went home with a with a big spring in my step after that. So I, I have to admit, on Saturday I wasn't expecting to get anything, which is, which was great. I was actually. I remember it reminded me of the. I was actually at the game, which was Nigel Atkins' final game. Actually, I went with with Ray Wilkins, who was a great mate of mine. Bless him, the late great Ray Wilkins, and we were in his season tickets. Yeah, when we drew two two there, when we were two 0 down, and it, it, it was it was a very similar sort of occasion and result really. Um, I remember I stayed behind that game and had a chat to Nigel. He was ecstatic, and a couple of days later, he was gone. Poor guy. So, I mean, let's let's talk about the team. How how was it for you picking your all time favourite Southampton eleven? Must have been tough. Absolute nightmare, to be honest. Um, <laughs> out on dog walks and talking to friends, and I've got an eleven year old son, thankfully, who's absolutely Southampton mad. Who's my now? I don't work in football. He's, he knows far more about it than me. You know, football's now, having been totally engrossed in it for 20 years of my life, working in football, really, 14 of them on Sky Sports News and doing soccer specials, making Jeff Stelling look good. And then, obviously, doing the big job at, at Sky Sports on Super Sunday and Monday Night Football for six years. You know, it just it totally consumes you. And now to be on the outside of it and have football as a hobby, you get a bit detached from it, which I quite like, actually, because it was all-consuming. And now... He's the one who keeps me up to date and everything. And he's had a look at my team and disagrees with most of it because he hasn't, ha- hasn't heard of half the players, even Letizia's, <laughs> you know, a name he knows, but he, he, he gets to see him and his, his the 100 club on the TV rather than having watched him ever live. So um, he's had a little bit of an input. Um, and then I showed it to a few friends of mine and they agreed with so it's, it's, it's great. It's a really good idea of yours, this, because it gets everyone talking and it's been really, really good fun. 
Brilliant. Yeah, well, we're really excited to, to hear your team. Um, but before we get into who you've actually picked, we need to know your formation. So tell us, how are you going to be lining? I'm going to play 4-4-2. Okay, with, nice. Classic. With, with one player who you can probably guess who has a bit of flexibility in that 4-4-2 because I don't think down his side of the pitch where I've got him playing, he's going to be particularly disciplined. So there will be some flexibility in this side. <laughs> yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. I mean, to be honest, we should probably just call this ultimate 10 plus Matt Letizia because I can't really <laughs> imagine any Southampton fan would pick their all-time favourite 11 without him being in the team. But Ben, you can imagine for me, just to, I'm, I, can, I hope you don't mind a few little stories along the way, but he... He wouldn't be my ultimate Saints player, which is quite well documented on social media, who my, my favourite Saints player of all time is. But he's, he's right up there. And I just absolutely loved him, like we all did. And then the night when I found out that I was doing a soccer special, I used to do the midweek ones. It was a Tuesday night. And it was the first one I had when Matt Letizia was on the panel. You imagine how difficult that was for me presenting. So at the end of the, the, the desk with, with your absolute hero sat, three feet to your left. It's quite hard to focus on your because I was actually nervous wreck. It was pathetic. And then obviously since then, I'd like to think we've become good mates and he plays in my golf day and he's just, you know, just quickly discover not only is he arguably the greatest player in Southampton history, but he's also one of the nicest down to earth, normal people you could ever wish to meet. The only thing I was disappointed, and I hope you won't mind me saying this because he'll probably listen to this, Tids, but his diet was dreadful. I couldn't believe. And Merce, Merce, who sat to his left on that panel, I had McAnally, can't remember who the fourth was, probably Charlie Nicholas, and, and Merson and Letizia, I just couldn't believe, you know, two absolute greats were eating just rubbish from chips to crisps. And as the presenter, you try and help them to start with, because I was so nervous working with them, I try not to go to them for an update on their game while they were eating. But as I got to know them, that very quickly became sort of part of the fun and part of the game to go for an update at their match while they had a mouthful of pizza or something and see how they improvised. And, and Letizia was much shrewder than Merson in that regard, I can assure you. I've only ever met Matt Letizia once, and he was coming out of a TGI Fridays in South Africa. Oh, no. Um, but, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was in the evening, and it was after he'd stopped playing. So I think he deserved it by that time. But he's got time for everybody, Letiz. He's got time for everybody. Yeah. Talk to anyone. He's just... And you can, the best thing to do with him is just ask him for a round of golf because then you've got a best chance of spending time with him because he's, as you know, obsessed by the game. And a damn good player as well. Cool. So, four four two. Um, who's in goal? Who's your keeper? This was... this was, Keeper was relatively straightforward, actually. Um, we've had some good keepers of late and Kelvin Davis is a, is a club legend and, and just such a nice bloke and such a, a big part of the football club. But in terms of goalkeepers, I think Tim Flowers was close, but you've got to go with Peter Shilton. I think people forget just how long he was at the club for and how many times he played for England while he yeah. was at Southampton. Um, and he's just an absolute goalkeeping great, isn't he? And it's amazing to think that we've had the likes of, of Keegan and Shilton and all these guys playing at our football club and, um, anyone younger might not understand it, but I think anyone as old as me will understand that Shilton was just head and shoulders above everyone else. A, a great goalkeeper that played for Southampton for a good deal of time. So I think Peter Shilton was was one of the easier decisions um, in my team. I think Tim Flowers would be the, the backup. Yeah, I mean, Shilton, even though he played until he was about 106, he was <laughs> before my time, unfortunately, so I never got to see him play uh in you know in the flesh or even on tv um 
but yeah, just hearing the stories of, of him as, as England goalkeeper mainly um, and seeing the footage of those World Cup, he was just absolutely fantastic, fantastic goalkeeper. Yeah, just, just he never made a mistake, Shilton. Absolutely yeah. rock solid. And at a round at a time when England had a number of great goalkeepers, you know, Ray Clements and co are yeah. great goal- goalkeepers in their own right. So it's not like he was in the position with no competition. There were some great goalkeepers around. He was head and shoulders above all of them. Um, and I mean, I, I can't really, you know, if you think about a Shilton mistake, you probably think Maradona handball and that wasn't his fault. Um, <laughs> He, he, he was just so reliable, Shilton. He was, he was just a, a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. And in your team, is he, is he booting it long or is he playing it out from the back? He has the option to boot it long when you find out who's up front, absolutely. Uh, I, think, I think you'd probably hit it long more than you'd play out from the back and you certainly didn't do it too much in that really good team we had of the early 80s. So he definitely had that option, um, but he could throw it out to his left as well, but we'll come to that. Well, let's start on the left then. Who's your left back? Who's Shilton rolling it out to? Left back is a, is a, is a, one of the areas of strength for Southampton Football Club. We just have a succession of really good left backs. Our academy specialised in left backs. And while we're on that, I think Jake Vokins will be the next big name in the Southampton team, actually. I think he's the absolute star of the future. And a lot of people will go for Gareth Bale in their team, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people will go for Wayne Bridge. And I've slightly been ruled by my heart over my head here. And he was a bit, when I first started going to watch Southampton, this guy who I've chosen was an absolute hate figure. He was a bit of a joke in Franny Benali. He took so much stick, but he stuck at it. And he's a little bit like the two characters I work with at Sky in, in Jamie Carragher and, and Gary Neville. Franny sort of falls into that category where I think he'd admit he wasn't the most talented player in the team by any means, but my goodness, he got every last drop of ability he had onto the football pitch. And, and Carragher and Neville were exactly the same. Gary was a better cricketer, and actually Philip was a better cricketer than Gary, than he was a footballer. But football was the path they chose. And through sheer guts and determination and hard work, you know, he played 86 times for England. And Carragher wasn't dissimilar, really. Carragher, you know, at international level, was, was pretty useless, really. But at club level, just through sheer hard work and determination, he turned himself into a Liverpool great. And Franny was a little bit like that at Southampton. And I hope he won't be too upset with me saying it, but... It was pure graft and determination that turned him into an iconic left back. And I've chosen him, one, because of his dedication to the club, and two, because he's just the nicest man in the world. Yeah. He is such a great guy. And is obviously now an ambassador for the club, and you see him on TV and all his heroics raising money. He is just one of life's legends. Lots of head, but plenty of heart has, has, has got him in my team. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a great He's just absolutely solid, wasn't he? I think that was the thing. Not the most talented, not the sort of most technically gifted, but would would not make a mistake and would die for that team. Absolutely. Heart and his sleep. But my God, Ben, honestly, some of the tackles, some of the banali tackles would be X-rated these days. And he looked with his moustache, he looked, he, you know, he looked like a, a waiter and he, he's, just, he's just such a dude. He's such a dude. And he's ahead, he's ahead of some players there who've had it left back who are far more talented than him. But... Um, you'd want him on the team sheet. You'd, you'd want him in the trenches, and and he's a club legend, Franny. Absolute club legend, and great to see him still. That's one thing we do well now uh, with the hierarchy club is, is integrating Franny and and Matt, and I think that's really healthy now. And um, both do a lot of good. So um, delighted to have Franny in the team, and I'd be I honestly would feel so guilty if I'd left him out. Yeah, I mean, especially since he's been running for the past 
365 days it seems like like i mean what a freak it's just absolutely incredible i had a tear in my eye that i was there that day when he ran into the stadium and and it was a very emotive moment what he'd been through and he put his family through absolute hell to do it but in typical franny fashion he'd done it and got a great welcome from the saints fans that day it was a really really great occasion yeah true and like you said some fantastic left backs we've had over the years you named a few and didn't even get to, you know, Bertrand at the moment, who and brilliant player is a Champions League winner. <laughs> what, like what a player to to not even make it into the to sort of top three or four Southampton left backs. Brilliant player. He could play. You know, he can play in a five. He can play centrally. Yeah. Again, you're absolutely right. We don't probably don't appreciate what Ryan does until uh, he eventually moves on. But honestly, to fill his boots, Bokins is going to be an absolute superstar. I. And so what about centre-backs standing next to Franny Benali? So it gets harder here. I, I put It's three into two, and I'm open to change here, Ben. And I'm, I'm, I'm loath to leave out uh, Klaus Lundekvam, who was a bit of a hero for me for many, many years. I never actually met him. Um, and I've read a lot about him afterwards, and he's had a few difficulties and so on. But he was a real great servant for the club. So I'm reluctant to leave him out. But it, it comes down to three. So I've got a perm two from three. And I'm not leaving out Jose. Jose um, Font is one of my all-time favourite Southampton players who, when we talk about captaincy, he's, he's on the shortlist for captaincy because I don't think we appreciate just how good he was. I think the players he played alongside, your Lovrens and Van Dykes, looked better players because they played with Jose. Plus, he was our leader. My goodness, we've missed him. He's been our biggest miss. Everyone talks about Virgil and, and how we've not been the same since Virgil left. Well, Jose, for me, was a bigger miss because he was the leader. He was the talisman on and off the pitch. And we've never really replaced that. The thing that's been missing in the Southampton team, I think, in the last few years has been real leadership. And that's what we had with Jose. So Jose's in, I think. And then it comes down to a choice between Virgil van Dijk, who was just a Rolls-Royce, and Mark Wright, who, Ben, you're probably too young to have really appreciated. But in the 80s, he was he was proper centre-half for England and Southampton and, and, and after that, Liverpool. A proper player, Mark Wright. Um, Got himself in a few scrapes with Laurie McMenemy and there was a few controversial moments involving him. And he was he was a character, as you might have seen on the, the ITV Legends programme with Harry Redknapp. Um, good guy, Mark Wright. So it's a real shootout between the brilliance and mercurial nature of Virgil van Dijk, which we only enjoyed for a couple of seasons, and Mark Wright, who had that longevity and was, was tough. Um, and I'm loath to leave him out, but I just think Virgil was so good. He's the best centre-half I've seen in the Premier League, you know, and to have him at Southampton Football Club for the time we did, how lucky were we to see him? He had everything, stature, range of passing, scored goals. So I think I might pair pair Van Dijk and, and Font, which I think is a very strong central defensive partnership, which I think, you know, took us to great heights for a while, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Font and Van Dijk were one of, if not the best centre-back partnerships Southampton probably ever had in the Premier League. I mean, when Van Dijk first came in, he was just absolutely world-class and was probably the best player in that team for a long time. He just has a presence, but he's also got an absolute calmness about him. An absolute, you know, that's he, that's what's made the, div- the difference at Liverpool. The goalkeeper's helped, I'm sure, as well, but he radiates calm around him. Um, and I think that's a huge thing. And it's, it's, at times it just looked too easy for him. It really did. <laughs> As I say, he was just an absolute Rolls-Royce at centre-half and the best I've seen in the Premier League, I think. I mean, yeah, Jose Fonte was 
it was fantastic for Southampton. I think I think it probably helped that he played for as long as he did in the lower leagues with with that Southampton team because he, I mean he was he was the the rock of the team that got promoted you know from league 1 and then from the championship. He never got that credit I didn't think. Largely because the the players he played alongside but as I said earlier he he made them look good as well. They relied upon him. Um and yeah, he he was a huge part of the club at a difficult time as well. Don't forget, um, and yeah, he'll go down as one of our best ever players, I think. But he was such a great guy. I, I'll, I'll never forget him because he won various awards when I, when I hosted the end of season awards, and everyone would always laugh at him because he was so vain. And and Jose spent I think twice as long as any other player in the shower probably getting ready. He always looked amazing, Jose, um, and and took <laughs> took took a lot of pride in that. Um, had some dodgy outfits as well. He's someone. He, he's on Instagram. He'll probably listen to this as well. So sorry, Jose. And big class Lundin Bob doesn't even get a look in. I feel bad about that. I told you I feel bad about that. What a hero! Because, yeah, I can. I totally get that. Which is why I wanted to get his name in early. And friends won't forgive me yeah. for leaving him out because he stuck. You know, he played in some pretty ordinary Southampton teams, and was Southampton through and yeah. through for a long time. Yeah, I'm reluctant. I'm, I'm more reluctant to leave Mark Rice out actually because he's, you know, he's one of England's great centre halves, let alone Southampton's, and I've left him out of the team. I mean, how harsh is that? Yeah, very true. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great partnership, though. Like Fonte and Van Dyke. I mean, we'll go with that, shall we? I actually came into this. I, I hadn't totally made up my mind, but I have now, so we'll go with that. Okay, Fonte and Van Dyke, fantastic. And then uh, right back. This is the hardest decision of the whole team. This and this and who to play up front were the hardest decisions in this team. The midfield I found easy. At right back, it came down to four. And I'm very biased because Jason Dodd is one of my favourite people. I, I keep bumping into Jason and loved him for a long time. Mick Mills was a bit of a hero growing up. Nathaniel Klein had a great spell at right back. And Ivan Golak, is who you won't probably remember, is one of the, probably... He was a real groundbreaker. Um at his time, one of the best overseas players we've ever had, actually. Um, could have played in central defence, but I think probably gets into my team at right back from a golden age for the team in the 80s, uh, the team I grew up watching. So I think I'm going to go with Ivan Golak for us oldies to beat, to use a bit of racing parlance, to beat Jason Dodd in a in a, a very close photograph. And I'm, I'm low, honestly, this is so painful to leave. And he's another person I play cricket against. He plays cricket for the Lord's Taverners when I play for Glorious Goodwood. I play for um, Lord March 11. It sounds very grand, but the fact that him and I are playing in it shows you it's not. After the first day of Glorious Goodwood, I, I always say to him, Jason, enjoy your lunch up at Goodwood because you, you go racing first before the match in the evening. And I say to him, please, Jason, enjoy your lunch, have a have a." plenty of beers and wine because he's a good player. And they've got about five or six England players in there in the Lord's Tavern side. And, you know, you, you, you see the team sheets in the morning and they're sort of Gladstone small and all these ex-England fast bowlers and they're absolutely terrified. Um, and Jason keeps wicket. He's really good and a good batsman, hard-hitting batsman. So he's a talented guy, very talented guy, and he'll never forgive me for leaving him out. So I've given him a good mention, haven't I, Ben? So he, he can't be too unhappy. No, that's true. Yeah, you've, you've spoken very fondly of him, so we'll keep that bit in. <laughs> and Mick Mills, again, England international, at right back for Southampton. I'm loath to leave him out. Yeah, some great players. So tell me a bit more about Ivan Golak, because obviously I know the name, uh, but he was a bit before my time. So 
I don't really know much about him as a player. What was he like as a right? So he would he would have been the team when I first, as a kid, started going to watch football at the Dell. And he was he was a groundbreaking guy. And overseas, overseas players we don't take for granted. In those days, you didn't have that many of them, particularly at Southampton. And I absolutely love the team he played in. A lot of the matches back then, would you believe, weren't on TV. So I used to, I remember our house in Andover, just outside Andover where I grew up, um, had a, a gramophone player in the living room where in the evenings I would disappear to listen to either local radio or in those days it was Radio 2. Radio 2 was the equivalent of Radio 5. And that's how I would stay in touch with Southampton unless it was sometimes there were FA Cup matches on the TV. But other than that, there was nothing. So, you know, you're, all those idols from that from those days, you're David Armstrong, Steve Morans, Keegan's in this Southampton team. I never got to see them unless I actually went to the game. Um, so you, you'd listen to the most of the matches on the radio. So I probably only actually saw Ivan Golak in person, maybe even only a handful of times. But he was because he was a groundbreaker and a tough, as I remember it, Older people than me will know more about him as a player, but tough, uncompromising. Again, I, you know, he could play centrally, but I'm going to play him at right back. And a lot of it is people talk very fondly of him, how good he was. So I'm, I must admit, I'm sucked into that a little bit, but I'm also sucked into the fact that that team that I grew up watching were, were an absolute legendary team of Southampton fans. Go back and, and watch, honestly, if there are DVDs or YouTubes of that, of that team that finished second in the league and, and so on. It was, it was a, a really great era to be a Southampton fan, particularly for someone young like me growing up. Yeah, and I just I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia page. He is one of few Southampton players to also play for Portsmouth. He went on loan to Portsmouth in 1985. Crikey, I forgot that. Matt, that Jason Dodds back in, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he managed in Scotland as well. Managed in Dundee in the 90s. So, yeah, a bit of a bit of a cult hero. Yeah. Everyone loved him. Apparently, he was a great guy. Great guy. Yeah. He's a cult hero at Southampton, I would say, for that era. That's a great back four, though. Uh, tough tackling. Pretty solid. No nonsense. You know, not many people would be getting past that back four. Virgil could play it out from the back, but I'm not sure I'd be, I'd be rolling the ball to Franny inside our own 50-yard <laughs> box, if I'm brutally honest. Cool. Okay, so moving forward then into your midfield. Is it, a, is it a flat four or is it a bit of a diamond? How does it look? It's definitely not a flat four with with God on the left. Okay. I mean, God knows what he was where he would go. He can drift inside. So the two central midfielders can, can sit a little bit deeper. And my left side of the midfielder can drift. In fact, he, I'm going to be like Alan Ball with his instruction to him. He can do whatever he wants and go wherever he wants. He's that good. <laughs> <laughs> so the two, the two central midfielders would have to sit a bit deeper. They're not going to bomb on. Okay, and who have you got in the centre? Easy decisions. Um, the greatest Southampton player of all time in my eyes is Steve Williams. He was my hero growing up. He was the he was my poster boy. Um, used to, I used to get Match and Shoot and all the magazines when I was younger, and and it, it, literally my bedroom was just plastered. Um, not dissimilar to Sam Chamberlain's now, to be honest, but Steve Williams was my favourite player. Honestly, he was a brilliant central midfielder. And it's quite funny because, I, because I, of course, back then I didn't know him personally. I just loved him. War number four, bossed it in midfield, brilliant passer of the football, put his foot in as well. He could, he could, he could tackle. And there were some horrendous tackles, Steve Williams. And then 
Um, he went to Arsenal, which absolutely broke my heart. Honestly, absolutely broke my heart when he left. I couldn't believe it. Um, and it's funny talking to the guys who knew, knew him at Arsenal. He, he was quite a character, Steve Williams, um, to say the least. Got himself into a few run-ins. But as, as a player, he was the best in real life I've ever seen wear a Southampton shirt. He was absolutely mercurial centre midfielder. Wow. Uh, brilliant on the ball. Should have played for England much more. Um, and I just loved watching him. He, he's he he in any. I've I've done a few sort of votes for and, and been asked for my favourite. And lots of people ask on Twitter, or who's your favourite Southampton player of all time, and so on. And I'm loath to say to not say Tiz, but Steve Williams is the is the player I enjoyed watching more than any other. And I'd play him alongside the player who I always said was the best central midfielder I saw in a Southampton shirt um, since. Steve Williams, really, also all the same number in Morgan Schneiderlin. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I saw a lot more of him because I've seen a lot of Southampton and obviously presented games in which he played. And he, he at Southampton, he was just absolutely brilliant. I'm amazed we've not seen it since. I think possibly the stage at Old Trafford was too much for him. And um, at Everton, it's been in sort of fits and starts, hasn't it? While at Southampton, he was our best and most consistent player week in. And week and week out, he could do the lot. He could pass the ball. He was a good, decent tackler. He could get forward. Just a terrific athlete as well. Brilliant athlete, um, Morgan. Lovely bloke. Great fun to interview. Um, I remember asking him one time how he learned English, and he said it was watching Only Fools and Horses uh, <laughs> on the team bus. Everyone loved him. Great character. Um, really, really good guy. Big part of that team. Again, it was gut- not quite like the Steve Williams level, but it was gutted when he left. And again, this is an area where we've, we've had some really, really good players. Recently, you know, Victor Wanyamas. People older than me would probably pick a Terry Payne or an Alan Ball, but I obviously never saw them play uh, in real life. I've seen them play on, on, on video and DVD and, um, and so on. And we're obviously great players, but I couldn't pick them because I never really saw them. So Williams and Schneidlin absolutely leap off the page, two of my easiest decisions. Loved watching them both. Yeah, wow. I mean... Again, Steve Williams. I'm fortunately not old enough to uh, to have seen him play, but I've heard the stories. But Morgan Schneiderlin, he was absolutely incredible, just pure class. Definitely. Um, I think probably my favourite player in that Southampton team that came up um, into the Premier League. This this will sound bad, but he was almost too good for us at one stage. Yeah. And I remember saying to Genev because we were working together at the time, he is going to tear it up at Old Trafford. This guy is the real deal, which is why I was really surprised. It, 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 just didn't work out for him. Some some people in that red shirt on that stage at Old Trafford, it just doesn't suit them and it mm. didn't seem to suit him. Um, he, he's someone I'd love to see back at Southampton one day. I think he'd thrive back in that, you know, that dressing room, that sort of more sort of family environment maybe, I think probably suited him. Mm. Um, because I'm the same as you, I loved watching him play. You, you, ben, you'd have loved Steve Williams then. If you like watching Schneidlin, you'd have absolutely reveled watching Steve Williams play. Yeah, well, he sounds like my kind of player. What uh, or which modern day Southampton midfielder would you compare Steve Williams to? Say that he was he was similar to. Yeah, it would probably be Schneidlin actually. Yeah. Schneidlin was more of an athlete than Steve Williams. Steve Williams was better on the ball than Schneidlin, um, which is why they'll complement each other perfectly, playing alongside each other. Um, but you speak to some of the Southampton players; they just a class of Steve Williams. Just a, a brilliant central midfield player, real vision. Um, and listen, he, he did go on and play on the big stage. You know, he did play. He was brilliant at Arsenal. Um, as I say, had a, had a run-in or two with the managers, which I'm sure you can read about elsewhere. 
and he, he played for England and should have played a lot more, in my opinion. So, OK, we've got the big man on the left then, Matt Letizier. I mean, we could we could have a whole podcast just talking about Matt Letizier. Absolutely. Just, it's just a question of where you... Tiz will be in everybody's team, everybody's team. Maybe not Ian Brantford's team, but he'll be in everyone you speak to's team. Just a question of where you play him. You know, you can play him off a striker. Um, if you speak to Tiz, he enjoys playing under Alan Ball more than any other manager because Alan Ball gave him such freedom. I'm, I'm going to say to him, play on the left because his great mates behind him in Franny who might be able to control him a bit. I mean, you're never going to get a great defensive sp- display out of him, are you? But um, And you wouldn't want to because you want him to be going forward and Morgan can tuck in if necessary. Um, but yeah, I'd let, it, I'd let him drift into central areas because he was just devastatingly brilliant. Um, of all the players we'll talk about, he was by far the most talented. Talented sportsman, brilliant cricketer, but just with a ball at his feet. He was just a magician, absolute magician. And, you know, you still never tire of watching the goal against Newcastle, or the goals against Newcastle. His favourite's actually the the goal he scored against Blackburn. But I think that's that's probably because Flowers was in goal. Um, and I, that was one of my favourite events I've ever hosted, actually, um, at the Mayflower Theatre when we did an evening with, I hosted it, an evening with Matt Letizier. Packed auditorium. It was so much fun. And Mark Crosley came down and he took a penalty <laughs> against him. See if he could save it again. It was just a really good. E- it was just a really good evening because he's a great storyteller. He does one of the best sort of after dinner routines. Tis um, where he'll have you in absolute stitches. Great, great sort of comic timing. Very, very funny with lots of his stories and him talking about the various Southampton teams and the trouble he got into. And I love hearing about when he played for Alan Ball and again got himself into trouble, but never in trouble because. Alan Ball let him get away with murder um, but he did that because he was such a, a brilliant player and and on the field delivered you know um, and again you know you could play so many people in that position um, the Wallaces all the Wallaces Danny probably being the best could have played there Sadio Mane was absolutely brilliant though I think he's probably been the best he's played would be in a Liverpool shirt but again a terrific player that, that could be an option but you've got to play Matiz I mean absolute no-brainer yeah I mean he was he was the player that just sort of got me into supporting Southampton just watching him on match of the day was just brilliant he was like he was like an alien it was yeah he was playing a different game to everybody yeah. else I think that I think if you watch the top 10 Matt Letizia goals I can't think of a, any player who's played in the Premier League who's got a better top 10 goals the Malatissier. No, I think I don't think anyone would argue with that, would they? I mean, you've named you've named a couple there. The, the ones at Newcastle, the one against Blackburn, the chip against Schmeichel, the you know the last goal at the Dell. Like they're all just incredible goals. The Schmeichel one's brilliant because Schmeichel Schmeichel hated nothing more than being chipped. If you ever chipped him in training, apparently he would absolutely go mental. So for Tiz to make him look like a bit of a clown, didn't he? Was, was must have been immensely satisfactory. And things like that, I always say to Tiz, um, why do you never celebrate? And he just simply says, because I was always knackered. <laughs> it sort of sums him, which sort of sums him up. What a legend. What an absolute legend. Um, opposite wing, have you gone for the similar sort of player or something a bit different, a bit more pace? A uh, bit, bit different um, and would work much harder. But this came down to two more recent players, actually. This was James Ward-Prowse, who's been so good for us. But... And I know he left off bad terms, but what a star Adam Lallana was for us over such a long period of time. Again, I've, I've picked a, a good team of characters here because, again, Adam's someone I got to know a bit 
um, and his time at the club and when he was captain and at the awards and stuff. And he was just always an absolute joy to deal with. And, and one of the most talented players, not quite on the Letizia level, but just immensely talented. I'm so sad for him that it didn't work out at Liverpool through sheer bad luck, really. Mm. Injuries are what, what cost him. If he'd had a real good run in that team, I think he could have become a... Um, a proper Liverpool player. I feel sorry for him that it didn't quite work out in the end, even though he had a terrific time there and won plenty and had some great performances. But we got the best of him at Southampton. Um, you know, through great when a player comes through the system and the academy and then played for us, obviously, at a lower level and stuck with us. Um, and then when we reached the top level, he was just absolutely outstanding. Work rate, ability, could score goals, great energy, technically very, very good. Adam Lallana um, and he wouldn't have to play on the right but I think that's probably the best position for him in this team I'm loath not to pick any of the Wallaces um, I'm loath not to pick James Ward-Prowse because he will be in a, hopefully he'll captain us for years to come and we'll be in all the, the teams in five years time but just at the moment I think Lallana edges him out um, because that was a great period wasn't it um the Lambert, Lallana yeah. link up. And oh, it was just a great time to be a Southampton fan, rising through the leagues and then thriving at the top level. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, same as Jose Fonte, like playing, you know, when we were down in League One Championship, coming through as a youngster and then breaking it into uh, on the Premier League, playing for England. And yeah, it was a real sort of poster boy for Southampton at that time. And it, he looks decent again at Brighton this season. It's a great signing. I was saying to everybody, and I've got lots of friends who are Brighton fans. He, he's, your, he's a player, you know, to get him on a free. I mean, he, he, no offence to Brighton. He could walk into the majority of, of Premier League sides. I'd love to have had him back. It's just a shame, as you say, bridges were burnt. It was it was an unsatisfactory wait for it to end. And I'm sure that's the only reason why he might not be in some Saints fans all-time 11, just from the, the bad taste that left. But knowing Adam a little bit as I do, he's not that kind of lad at all. He'll he'll regret that a bit and probably might do things differently in hindsight. But, you know, feelings were running high at the time and who could begrudge him a move to a club like Liverpool? But when he was in that Southampton shirt, he was he was fantastic for such a long period of time. Um and yeah. and I have I have no no honestly no regrets about putting him in the team whatsoever. And if James Wall Prowse listens to this, uh, he's very close. Don't don't hate me for it. <laughs> what a great decision that was to take the, the captaincy off Heuberg and give it to Ward Prowse. Inspired management, that really, really good management. That's a strong that's a strong midfield four. You know, that's solid in the middle, but you know, can play play a lot of good football, a lot of talent, a lot of flair on each wing. And I'm pleased I haven't gone. I, I'm pleased I haven't gone. I, I personally haven't gone for players who obviously have come through at Southampton but probably had their best days in, in other shirts. Like, I haven't picked a Gareth Bale on the left, which a lot of people would do. Um, I haven't picked a Theo Walcott, a Sadio Mane. Um, to be honest with you, Danny and Rod Wallace would be ahead of them, actually, um, for the service. I picked players who did the business in, in red and white stripes. So now we come to your strikers. I'm interested to see, have you, have you gone for two players that you think would form their own sort of formidable partnership? Or have you just gone for two strikers that in their own right were sort of legendary players for Southampton? Both. Both. They'd be absolute dynamite, these two. And you've got to you've got to remember, we have had some... I mean, the list I've got here, and I'm only going to name a few of them, the list of great strikers we've got, we've had, 
to think that Kevin Keegan played in the Southampton shirt. Um, Marion Pahars was a bit of a cult hero for, for a while. Um, you know, loved, you know, singing Um Pahars, my lord, and all that kind of, it was just great times. And Danny Ings is hopefully going to come to go on and be an absolute Saints legend. But it came down to three. And to think that Danny Ings isn't even in that three. And there are so many other great strikers. Ian Dowie is going to hate me because he's become a good friend. Um, and others, there's loads. But it came down to three. And the one to miss out is Ricky Lambert, which I feel terrible about because he was That's really harsh. That, I mean, yeah. I know. Isn't that shocking? Yeah. It is really harsh. It is really harsh. Um, he was brilliant for Southampton. Absolutely brilliant. And it just shows the quality of the two I have chosen, that Ricky, who honestly I just loved. when he, I remember being so emotional when he scored for England. Um, but anyway, I mean, the two... To think that Mick Shannon and Alan Shearer played for Southampton is just so satisfactory. And Mick Shannon, when, when anyone asks me who my hero is, because he spans my two loves, horse racing and Southampton Football Club. I mean, how could I not have Shannon in my team? Um, and we did, for the first Royal Ascot we ever did on ITV, which would be 2017, I said, I've got one wish in this job, and that would be to do a feature on Mick Shannon. And they gave me the green light. So I went to his yard at West Ilsley and had, crikey, two and a half, maybe three hours with the great man, wandering around his yard, sitting, chatting, seeing the great horses that had trained at his historic yard. And there had been some of the great horses trained there. I mean, it just was two of the best hours of my life, I think. And I had to cut it down to a feature that ran just for a few minutes, but hopefully it made for good TV. And yeah, he's just an absolute hero and a legend of mine. Great character, great fun. Brilliant striker, lived life to the full, still does. Has had a roller coaster life, really. But as a striker, he was just, you only have to look back at his goal scoring record for us and for England to see what a great he was. And then you could argue that Alan Shearer is the greatest player ever to pull on a Southampton shirt, even when he talked about all the greats of Keegan's and Chilton's and all these guys. And to think, you know, he came through the ranks. What a spot he must have been to get him down south into the academy because he was a very different player the Shearer I remember watching at Southampton the, the Shearer that then flourished particularly at Blackburn um, and in a, in a Newcastle shirt where he became just an absolute battering ram didn't he but at Southampton in his younger days he was quick I mean lightning quick and had the lot um, he was just a, a natural goal scorer and just an, an absolute defender's nightmare. Tough, good in the air, but in his time at Southampton, you watch back how lean and fit he was compared to the, the, the Shearer he became for, for England as well. Um, just one of the all-time great strikers, really, and we were, we were very lucky to have him and should be very proud of the way we nurtured him. Absolutely, what an incredible player. And it's interesting that you picked him. Um, you mentioned earlier how you, you didn't pick certain players that you felt had their best days away from Southampton, the likes of Bale and Mane. I mean, the same could be said about Shearer. Like his goal-scoring record at Blackburn and Newcastle were absolutely incredible and sort of far surpassed anything that he did at Southampton. I would still argue he was great in a Southampton shirt um, and, and then went on to become one of the all-time great England strikers. So he, he was on a slightly different level to some of those other ones I've talked about. We've obviously gone on to become great players, but you know, Alan Shearer walks into any England team, doesn't he? Great England team of all time. And when I started out, I thought, right, I'm, I, when I started out, I thought, crikey, I'm, I, you know, I could have played 
Ricky Lambert with Steve Moran playing off him. Moran was just absolutely like a Duracell battery. He was relentless back then. What, again, one of my favourite players growing up, and he's, I feel dreadful. He's not even come close, um, which shows how many, how many good players we've had play for us. Yeah, very true. But I, I couldn't, if I left out Shannon, I couldn't sleep, and Ricky Lambert hurts. But, I mean, Shannon and Shearer, I mean, please. If those two don't score goals for this team, I give up. So now we move on to your captain. Uh, you've got a few candidates in this team for skipper, but who's going to be wearing the armband? There's a few. There's a few who could capture the team in there, but it came down to Steve Williams or Jose, and I'm going to give it to Jose because he's a real team man um, and just one of our great captains. One of our great, great captains. Wouldn't wouldn't go down as the greatest player Southampton's ever had, but I think goes down as a great team man and a captain. So Jose will carry the armband. This is probably slightly less of a contentious question now that I know Ricky Lambert's not in your team, but who's taking the penalties? Oh, it is. All day long. Shearer can... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shearer took a mean penalty, but you know we've got the greatest penalty taker of all time there. Letizia, if he's still on the pitch, he's not too knackered. You might have to come off after an hour quite frequently. Uh, in which case, Shearer could step up. But no, you, you, you know, Tiz is the greatest penalty taker I've ever seen. And his record speaks for himself. So you are the manager of this side, uh, but you can pick any Southampton manager, past or present, to be your assistant manager. Uh, so who are you going to have alongside you in the dugout? I think a lot of people will say Laurie McMenemy, but he's probably the greatest manager we've ever heard in terms of achievement. But my favourite manager is Maurizio Pochettino by distance, really. Um, just an absolute cool dude um, who was so kind to me. Um, you know, he always pretended he couldn't speak English, but I interviewed him at the end of season of Wars and his English was excellent <laughs> and great sense of humour, unbelievably passionate. Um, as we saw, you know, I remember on Monday Night Football one night when the wheels came off for Spurs, you saw the real Maurizio, who's just, he's got that Argentinian passion burning inside him, but it's just the loveliest bloke. Um, and he'd always, you know, even when I was presenting a Tottenham game, he'd always, sometimes when the cameras were on, he'd come and give you a hug and just, you didn't get to see it too often, I suppose, on TV. because He was quite guarded and Nicola Cortese liked, liked him to conduct himself in a, in a certain way. But just a lovely, bo- lovely bloke, heart on his sleeve and did an unbelievable job at Southampton. Unbelievable job at Southampton. Be great entertainment to work with him. Yeah, definitely. And then the final final question for you, for your ultimate Saints eleven. Uh quite a hard one to talk about on a podcast, but describe the kit that your team are <laughs> gonna be wearing. Which what year of Southampton shirt is this Southampton eleven gonna be gonna be wearing? To be honest, I think that's easy. I, I, I'm not a great fan of the the palace, Peruvian, whatever way you want to call this strip. Bring back the stripes, I say. So it would be absolute old school, red and white stripes, probably from the 80s. And it would have to be Draper Tools uh, on the front. Yes, classic. Yeah, I think that's easy. I'll, I'll let you into a secret. I was given a shirt the other day and I, I love Southampton to the core, but they spelt my name wrong on the back. <laughs> I don't I, I I I tell them. I don't tell them. Um, yeah, I need to scratch out one letter. Um, but they'd be very kind to me, so I'm never going to ever, ever complain. But um, in terms of, of of choice of strip, red and white stripes, Draper tools, easy, easy. Fantastic. Iconic. What a strip. Uh, well, listen, 
Ed, uh, we've reached the end of your Southampton Ultimate Eleven, uh, and all all that's left is for me to read your team back to you and hope that you uh, haven't had any changes of heart. So you've got the legend of Peter Shilton in goal, uh, a back four from right to left of Iman Golak, Virgil van Dijk, Jose Font, who is also your captain, uh, and Franny Benali at left back. Uh, two deep line midfielders in Steve Williams and Morgan Schneiderlin. You've got Adam Lalana on your right wing, Matt Letitier on your left wing, who's also your penalty kick taker, and then the dynamic duo of Mick Shannon and Alan Shearer up front. Uh, you have got Pochettino alongside you as your assistant manager, and your team will be wearing the 1980s red and white striped Draper Tools Southampton home kit. So that's uh, that's everything. How does that sound? Well, that's strong. But listen, people are, if I'm first into bat here, people are going to disagree, which is all the fun of it, really. Um, the only thing I disagree with when you say Letizia left wing, it's Letizia left wing doesn't sound great, does it? Letizia floating. F- floating in behind Shannon, because we need a little bit of cre- creativity in behind Shannon and Shearer. So Letizia in that hole and Morgan can just have to drop into the left there. I'm loath to, to tie Letizia down on that left wing. Um, I mean, that is dynamite. Shannon and Shearer with Letizia floating in behind. I mean, I defy any team to take us on there. Crikey. Definitely. And don't worry, I will make sure everybody knows that Matt Letizia has completely free licence to roam about <laughs> and do whatever he wants in your team. Ed, all that's left to say is thank you very much for being involved. I hope you enjoyed it and thanks for talking us through your ultimate Southampton eleven. Ben, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.